And today uh, we begin with the season of Lent, a new sermon series, all on the idea of covenants. Um, Lent is about this key idea of return. The Hebrew word is shuv. The idea is, is turning around. To shuv in Hebrew simply means to make a, an abrupt 180, to turn back to God, to turn away from the things that separate you from God and turn back towards God. So Lent is all about renewing our relationship with the God we know in Christ. And this relationship is expressed throughout Scripture as covenant. Um, it's more than a churchy word for promise. It's about God reaching out to us in relationship and love. So this Lent, we'll be reflecting on our relationships with God, but also with one another, and how they might be strengthened, that we might better resemble Christ's body in the world. We begin our series today with the end of the Noah story, the very first uh, covenant, you could say, of the Bible. So friends, I invite you to listen now as we encounter God's word together from the ninth chapter of Genesis, beginning with the eighth verse. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, As for me, I am establishing my covenant with you and your descendants after you and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the domestic animals, and every animal of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark. I will establish my covenant with you, that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of a flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. God said, This is the sign of the covenant I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all generations. I have set my bow in the clouds, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God said to Noah, this is the covenant, the sign of the covenant that I've established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, this past week, I um, hope you all don't mind our new, new setup here. It allows me to be a little more of a free-range preacher. Um, this past week, was Ash Wednesday. We began the season of Lent together. But with Ash Wednesday being this week, that also means this past week was Mardi Gras, Fat Tuesday. And every Mardi Gras, I can't help but think of New Orleans, like many of you. Uh, but I also can't help but think of the week I spent down there following Hurricane Katrina. I went there with a group from my college, um, uh, several months after the storm to an area of the city called St. Bernard's Parish, a small working-class community southeast of the city. You may remember seeing it on the news because following the storm, it was anywhere between 5 to 15 feet underwater for days. 
When we arrived months later, it was still in pretty rough shape. Most of the, the areas still didn't have all the utilities functioning. Most homes were uninhabitable. It was quite a sight and quite a thing to see as, as a young college student um, looking out at so much destruction, so much chaos. Our job when we were down there was not to rebuild. They weren't ready for that yet. It was to gut houses. We were to go in these houses that had been waterlogged for days and to rip out drywall, carpeting, all of the possessions that, that remained in there that were heavily damaged, to clear it out. We were warned before starting these projects that most of the homes we'd be gutting out would not be saved, that they were simply beyond repair. But our task of gutting the house was exactly what had to happen so that they could assess whether or not it was salvageable. As we went into the week, it just seemed like every house we were entering was beyond repair. But more than that, it felt like the community was even beyond repair. The story of Noah and the flood is a story of creation perhaps being beyond repair. As the Bible begins and God creates the heavens and the earth, it only takes a few chapters after that to God, for God to regret it because humanity was broken beyond repair. We were violent towards each other. We were corrupt. We were evil to our very core. The worst part is that we had turned away from God. We turned away from God. So God's about to give up on it all. God prepares to send a flood to wipe out all of creation, to literally wipe the slate clean. But then God remembers Noah. Noah, a blameless and righteous man, Genesis tells us. As the story goes on, we find out he's not perfect either. But God loved Noah and remembered Noah and instructed him to gather his family and two of every creature to get on this big boat, the ark. From there, the rain came for 40 days and nights, and by the end of it, Noah and his family and all the, the animals they had gathered were set sail on this new global ocean, sailing over the destruction of the world they knew. Friends, many people today say that the world in which we live is beyond repair. They say that creation is beyond repair because it is overpolluted. And we've overdeveloped it to the point where, uh, where, where creatures are struggling to live and thrive in this uh, environment. We could also say that humanity is broken beyond we continue to act in evil and corrupt ways. Violence uh, through warfare as well as violence at home uh, and in our own communities is all around us. But even more than that, as a people, as interpersonally, we don't trust each other anymore. We're really quick to give up on one another also. 
And we're also willing to give up on one another as soon as we have a single disagreement or a single um, issue or idea that we have a varying opinion on. Because of this, it's no surprise that we as a society have also given up on institutions, on the institutions that have helped frame our, our social life together. These institutions, the church very much included, that remind us that we need one another, that we belong to one another. It's not too difficult to see why so many think that creation and humanity is broken, perhaps even broken beyond repair. In the story after, uh, of Noah, after the rains came for 40 days and 40 nights, you see the connection to the gospel text and the season of Lent. After the rains came for 40 days and nights, Noah and his family sail on this global ocean for 150 days. And at the end of this time, God looks out at this watery chaos and remembers Noah. And as God remembers Noah, it seems as if God regrets the destruction of everything. So soon enough, Noah and his family and the ark uh, rest upon dry land. Noah and his family come out into this new creation taking shape. It is here that God makes the first covenant with Noah. But you notice in the text, and the Genesis writer is, is really um, clear about this detail, the covenant isn't just between God and Noah. It's not just God, Noah, and Noah's family. It's not just with Noah and all of Noah's ancestors with humanity. No, God says, I will make this covenant with you, with your offspring, with all living creatures, with creation itself. God makes this covenant the only time this happens in scripture, not just with a person or with a people, but with all living things, all things that have flesh, with creation itself. And what is this covenant? That God will never again destroy the earth. That God will never again send floods to wipe out everything. The sign of this covenant that will help us and God remember it is God's bow in the clouds, the rainbow, you could say. There's another part of it. Just as God will never again destroy all of creation, God asks Noah and his family and all offspring from, from then on to be co-caretakers of all creatures as well as creation, to work with God towards sustaining God's good creation. So friends, what do we make of this covenant? There are a bunch of different ways we could read it and interpret it, some more helpful, some more troubling than others. But friends, the thing I want us to really remember here is that as Christians, anytime we read the Bible, particularly when we're reading a challenging or troubling text, as Christians, we read every letter of the Bible through a particular lens. That is the lens of God's love for us in Christ. 
When we read the Bible this way, when we read it through this lens, this covenant takes on a slightly different shape. When we read it this way, we hear of God making a covenant, with God making a promise to us that God will not give up on us, that God will never give up on us or all creation. No matter how much we mess up, God will not give up on us. And in fact, every covenant in the Bible from here on, and we'll be covering several of these throughout our series, every covenant God makes from then on is a continuation of this, that God will not give up on us, that God will not stop loving us. And whenever we mess up throughout the story of Scripture, God will either make a covenant with us or send a judge, a king, a prophet, even God taking on flesh in the person of Jesus Christ to try yet again to bring us back to God, to bring us back towards this covenant of caring for one another, for our world, and to walk hand in hand with God. Friends, If we trust in a God who doesn't give up on us, we shouldn't be so quick to give up on one another. We shouldn't be so quick to divide ourselves up to to be left isolated and alone and fearful. God we know in Christ is the God who doesn't give up on us, so we should not stop. We should work diligently towards rebuilding the the broken relationships and world in which we live. We should not tire from from trying to rebuild our institutions which shape our common life. We should not tire from reconciling with one another. We should not tire from uh, refusing to give up on one another, trusting that they too are God's beloved children. I left out one part of my time in St. Bernard's Parish near New Orleans. While the experience was incredibly transformational and a life-changing experience for me, uh, um, just doing the work and and seeing uh, and being part of of, um, disaster relief, the best part of it, the most life-changing part of it for me was getting to interact with the people of that community a number of whom were actually living temporarily in the tent uh, encampment that um, we were staying in as a group. And so we had meals with folks who lived in St. Bernard's Parish and called it home. We had wonderful meals of of etouffee and jambalaya and and, uh, sustained my my now lifelong uh, love of Creole and Cajun food. But as we got to know the folks of this community, there was one thing in common that they, that they shared in common, they refused to give up. Though everything uh, and everyone seemed to be telling them that their communities, their homes were broken beyond repair, they refused to give up. They refused to give up on rebuilding their homes. They refused to give up on rebuilding their community. They refused to give up on one another. And most of all, they refused to give up on the God who loves them no matter what. Friends, the season of Lent is a time to rebuild. It's a time to restore. 
It's a time to renew our relationship with the God who in Christ will never give up on us. It's a time to renew our relationships with one another and to rebuild our broken and divided world. In the coming weeks, we'll we'll explore more and more what this could look like and what this looks like. But for now, I just want you to remember this. Friends, in Christ, we trust in a God who does not give up on us, who will not give up on us. May we not give up on one another. Amen.